Jim. Jim, how are, how are we? Oh, I, I am we're... great. I am great. It's a holiday today, Jim. I'm in a good mood. I am in a great mood here. And this is Jim English. Welcome to the Who Gives a Shit File. And baseball season starts today. And with the inception of baseball season, we're going to have Fletcher Christian Gange on as our Padres consultant. And I am sure he is brimming with optimism. What are your thoughts on the upcoming season for the Padres, Christian? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah. As you know, as anyone who's listened to me on your podcast knows, I have probably too much optimism for the Padres. Um, and I have that yet again this year. Obviously, last year, we definitely did not did not, um, did not succeed in living up to the expectations, but it's a new year, and I feel really good. We've made some good moves this offseason. The roster looks good. Yeah, Tatis is hurting out for a little bit, but I think the rest of the guys will pick it up. And, yeah, I feel, I feel really confident going in that uh, we're going we're gonna to be a playoff team this year and make, make it happen uh, come October. So what were the most significant offseason changes – Good and bad, because I know it's not all good news, but tell us about the, the off-season changes, the roster, how it looks, and maybe you can even talk a little bit about the injuries. Yeah, yeah. So not too much in terms of losing players. Um, Tommy Pham, he signed with the Reds. That's, that was I didn't expect to have him back. Mark Melanson, our closer, he's with Arizona. Didn't really expect to have him back. So to me, that's all fine. Um, for on the addition point, we got we traded for Luke Voigt from the Yankees. So I don't know if um, everyone's aware of this, but this year will be the first year where the DH is now officially in the National League for good. So Luke Voigt will come right in. He's going to appears to be our the designated hitter for the Padres this year. Big power right-handed bat. Excited for him. Um, who else did we get? We also we got a few relievers. Um, we got Matt Beattie, an outfielder from the Dodgers. And actually this morning, Jim, we made a big trade. So the Padres traded away Chris Paddock, who was one of our starting pitchers last year, and Emilio Pagan, one of our relievers, for um, Taylor Rogers and a minor leaguer from the Twins. So Taylor Rogers is a very, very good relief pitcher. He will probably be our closing pitcher. And last but not least, um, the addition I can't believe I forgot, but Sean Manaya traded for him. He is, was a starter from the Athletics. Uh, he'll be joining Bob Melvin, uh, who is now our new manager. Bob Melvin came from the Athletics as well. Sean and I, a very reliable left-handed pitcher. He had like a 3-9 ERA last year, pitched every game. So with all the injuries we had pitching-wise, it's nice to have, uh, you know, a solid guy back. Um, but outside of that, mainly, we just, we're healthy again. So obviously, Tatis is out for a few months because he decided to do a little motorcycling on the off season and isn't very good at motorcycling apparently, but uh, yeah, we're, we're healthy on the pitching front. we got a lot of depth, a lot of guys back and yeah, that was a long rant, but overall I, I feel good about the team. So to tease, how much, how much that's going to have a significant impact initially? Huh? Of course, of course. So I think expect best case, he'll be back probably early to mid June, more realistically, I'd say around 4th of July time. Um, but so where I feel okay with that is Hassan Kim. Um, he was on our team last year. We signed him from uh, – he's a Korean player. And he struggled a bit last year adjusting to the major league game. I think just guys throw a lot harder, kind of took him a while. Obviously wasn't getting consistent playing time as a shortstop because Tatis is on the team. So 
Tatis is going to play every day. He had to find his at-bats here and there. But he looked awesome in spring training. Looks like he's ready to go. I think he'll be our shortstop. He'll be this opening day shortstop. And I feel really good that he's going to have a breakout year, getting consistent at-bats, and kind of, you know, obviously won't be Tatis level, but he'll hold up his, his end. And then, in addition, Tatis getting hurt opened the door for C.J. Abrams. He's, I think, the number six overall prospect in all of baseball, the number one for the Padres. He uh, it got announced actually about an hour ago that he made the team as well. So he, he can play a little shortstop, a little second base, a little outfield, and we'll look out for him, Jim. The guy is a freak athlete. I think he's probably the fastest guy in baseball now, and he's put on, put on some weight, becoming a man, he had some power. So I think those two guys will be able to take up the slack for Tatis and keep us, you know, in the game uh, or in the race by the time we get him back come June, July. So I like, I really feel good about where we're at, even with Tatis being out. It might actually be a sneaky advantage because these guys will be better players because of it. Well, I get a bunch of questions. Let's start off with Melvin. Yes. How do you think he's changed the clubhouse and the culture? Oh, I I believe it's night and day. Um, I think, a big issue last year was around the trade deadline, we were in the race, still comfortably going to be at least a wild card, maybe catch the Giants Dodgers for the division. Then there's some trade rumors going around with Eric Hosmer, Will Myers. And from all the reports I saw, that clubhouse just basically became ruined with all the rumors. And Jace Tingler, as the manager, didn't really have the respect of the players. He's a young guy. And kind of like small name, not really a guy that the players listen to and respected. Bob Melvin is the polar opposite of that. The guy has been a manager 20 plus years. He's got multiple manager of the year awards. So every single player on the team respects him as a baseball man. And you can, and it's just fully expected that trade talks, there'll be some rough times, some rough patches. And for everything I've looked into him, he's the kind of guy who will keep the team together, keep them high when things are low keep them grounded when things are going well and just be, you know, a mature face and a mature voice for our relatively young team. So yeah, it, it, like I said, it, it's going to be night and day. I, I think that's the biggest addition we made this off season because the talent's there and we just needed an adult, you know, to basically chaperone this, this young group of, of guys that we got in the ball club. And Christian, what did, what did he, what changes did he make to the coaching staff? Yes, just – so everybody's been changed. Um, so pitching, we got Ruben Niebla is our new pitching coach. He came over from Cleveland, uh, formerly the Indians, now the Guardians. And everything I – didn't, I didn't know his name before we signed him, but did the research, and apparently that could be huge as well. He's well-known for basically turning all these pitchers in Cleveland from average to amazing. He's had guys who've struggled, turned it around. So we have a lot of really good pitchers on our team who kind of struggled to find it last year. And they're very confident that he's going to help, you know, those guys figure it out just from maybe finding a new pitch, change the grip, change, you know, something with their mechanics. Uh, most notably, Mackenzie Gore. He was the number three prospect in baseball two, three years ago. And kind of, for, like, for lack of a better way to say it, forgot how to pitch. And now Ruben Niebla started working with him a few months ago when he came in. And he looked amazing in spring training. He, he's starting in AAA, but he'll make his debut within a month or so. Um, that among all the other pitchers, just a huge addition there. And from the hitting coach, we got this guy. His last name, it's, I don't know how to pronounce it yet. It's like Birder, it's like B-R-D-A-R or something like that. He's a 27-year-old. 
um, came from San Francisco. Hmm. Like I said, don't, don't know much about him, but a very good reputation. Um, was huge for the Giants, for anything I've heard. Yeah, he's a young guy, but he seems to know what he's doing. So hopefully um, the older guys will respect him. And from everything I've read, I believe it. And then our bench coach, which is essentially the assistant head coach, um, is Ryan Christensen, I think his name is. Um, and he was Bob Melvin's bench coach with uh, Oakland. So some consistency there. And, yeah, so I'm very, very excited for the staff. It's, it's completely different, and I blame last year's staff for the failure. So I'm happy we got new guys. Excellent. Excellent. Now, how do you think the DH rule in the National League are going to help the Padres – and or hurt the Padres, and how will they fare in that position versus the rest of the league, most specifically the Giants and the Dodgers? Because that's going to be their competition. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, it, it's kind of hard to say. I think trading for a guy like Luke Voigt, I don't know if we trade for him if there's no DH because he's kind of going to be a DH. He can play a little first base too. But he is signed to be our DH. And so I think depending on how he does will be the answer to my question come year's end. So if he can produce, be what we think he can be, then we'll have an advantage. Um, but it, it's been interesting. I think so many teams in the National League have just been – they've been able to sign that extra hitter, that, you know, to be that DH when in the past, okay, the guy can't play defense, you don't have a spot for him. So I think, it's, yeah, it's a hard question to say now. I think it – like I said, for us, it'll be how Luke Voigt does. Um, the Giants and Dodgers, I don't know if they have as clear of a DH everyday guy, but they got they got deep lineups. So they'll probably rotate through, pick and choose guys to be a DH every certain day. Um, but, yeah, no, I think it'll be we'll, – we'll see how Luke Voigt does. If he does well, then the DH is good for us. If he struggles, then we'll have some issues. So what do you think – how are they going to uh, – for Tatis leaving – how are they going to compensate for that? Yeah, no, like I said, I think it, it, Ha-Sung Kim and C.J. Abrams have to step up. Um, Jake Cronenworth can play shortstop, so I think we'll be good there. Um, what, so what I like about A.J. Preller, our, our general manager, and what he's done is when we signed Ha-Sung Kim as another uh, middle infielder, a lot of people are like, why would you sign him? You have Tatis, you have Cronenworth, you have Jerks and Profar, guys who are already at these spots who are solid players. And what he's always said and what I've always admired about him, he's like, we're going to get the most talent we can. We'll figure out positions later. If you're a good baseball player, you can play multiple spots. It's not like a football where a receiver can't play a lot, like be an offensive lineman. A good shortstop right. can play in the outfield. So he did that really well. And obviously we did not expect Tatis to fall off a motorcycle um, in, in the Dominican Republic this offseason, but we're in a spot where it's not full on panic that it happened because Hassan Kim, CJ Abrams, Jake Cronenworth can all play shortstop. They're probably all better defensively than Tatis at shortstop. Um, so, and, and they can hit, hit for their own, hitting their own rights too. So they'll have to carry us. They just, they don't have to be Tatis, but if they can be solid players in Manny Machado and, you know, Cronenworth and Boyd pick it up, then we'll be fine. And we'll be, we'll be right in the race with the Dodgers and Giants when, until Tatis comes back. Now, do you, are you familiar with the changes that they made, the Giants and the Dodgers? Um, yeah, a little bit, yeah. So, definitely with the Dodgers. Um, so, the Dodgers, yeah, we'll get it out of the way. Um, the Dodgers, they might have the best team on paper going into the year ever, and I'm comfortable saying that. Um, 
my prediction, I do predict the Dodgers to win the National League West. And I, th- and I think the Padres get a wild card spot. And I feel confident because the Braves weren't the best team last year. The Nationals weren't the best team three years ago. But just get in the tournament and you'll win, win the tournament and your chance. But, um, yeah, so the Dodgers, they lost Corey Seager they, um, to Texas. They lost Max Scherzer to the New York Mets. Um, obviously, we lost Kenley Jansen to the Braves. So, saw good players. That made me happy. But the Dodgers are the Dodgers. They went out. They signed Freddie Freeman. Um, obviously, Freddie Freeman just won a World Series with the Braves. He was the MVP in 2020. Um, was hoping that wouldn't happen, but it happened. So that's going to be great. They traded for Craig Kimbrell, um, which I actually like that trade. They got rid of A.J. Pollock, who I'm, must be, I'm very high on A.J. Pollock. Um, and I think Craig Kimbrell, as a relief pitcher, has played his best days. So I'm hopeful that I'm right there and he struggles. But, um, yeah, Dodgers are going to be good. I think they went over 100 games this year, um, unless, barring any kind of injuries they have. Um, but, yeah. And then on the Giants' side, the Giants didn't do too much offensively that I'm aware of. Um, they lost Chris Bryant. Buster Posey retired. Um, but they, they lost a couple starting pitchers, but they got a, they got a few others. They got Carlos Rodon, um, pitcher from the White Sox last year, threw a no-hitter last year, very, very capable, good arm. Uh, they might have the best starting pitching rotation in, in the entire league. So the Giants were good there. But then again, I, I do still think the Giants season last year was somewhat of a fluke. A lot went right. I mean, they're a good team. I don't see that happening again. I think they're an 85-win team this year. Um, and I think it'll be Dodgers and us kind of at the top. I love your optimism, as always. So let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. San Diego has had a reputation, I noticed it a lot with the Chargers and now with the Padres, of people getting injured. And I remember you explained why the, you know, the pitchers, they, they burned their pitchers out last year early. And so they were kind of, uh, you know, they had problems towards the middle and the end of last year. Have they done anything with strength and conditioning coaches San Diego has just been snake bit with injuries over the last few decades, really. So have they done anything to your knowledge with that strength and conditioning? Yeah, I'm actually happy you remind me of that because that was huge on last year. Jace Tangler managed that season like it was a 60-game shortened season, which is why we were the best team in 60 games and then literally just ran out of gas. So that'll be, first off, Bob Melvin knows how to manage the pitching staff a lot better. So we'll be better there. Um, I'm not exactly sure if we got like specific new training conditioning coaches. I do know there's me- there were many more changes in the staff from the minor league level all the way up um, that will play a factor into that. So I think to me that's just a, the overall coaching staff change, and it's uh, it, it was massive. Will kind of all play into that. It, it is funny the uh, so Padres traded Chris Paddock today. Um, when he was a rookie coming up, ton of upside, thought he was going to be our ace for 10 years. Didn't work out that way. And I see Twins fans are, like, commenting on social media, happy, that, like, Padres, worst pitching development in all of baseball. This guy has talent. We'll develop him, and he'll be good. And to me, I'm like, yes, you're right, but that's the old staff. Now we have the guys who can develop guys and help with the injuries, you know, protect the arms. Um, so uh, it's hard to say now that's a wait and see, but we got new guys and the old, and they can't be worse than the old guys. So hopefully that can get addressed, as you said. 
Yeah, because that's critical. You know, having healthy arms towards the end of the season. I mean, it, everybody had dead arms because all the good pitchers, especially on the relief side, right, were logging too many innings. Yeah. And initially, so hopefully the pitching coach and Melvin will moderate that, maybe, you know, not try and win every single freaking game and yeah. save the arms. I'm hoping that happens. That's the thing. Not every, every game is not game seven of the World Series. And it is funny. I think that's the Dodgers last year, if you remember, they used uh, Max Scherzer to be the closer to win the series against the Giants. And it worked out, but then Max Scherzer had a dead arm for the next round against the Braves, and they were unable to beat the Braves. So it's it's a hard thing with managers. I mean, that's the playoffs; it's different. But if you your arm arms a throwing motion is not a natural motion, so you gotta you gotta protect the arms. And you know, as you said, we you can afford to lose some games. It's it's a long season. We're not going one sixty two and zero. It's okay to lose. Play for play the long game, not the short game. Yes, and you know when you when you analyze the art and the science of baseball, you know the science is fairly obvious because baseball is so statistically oriented, and there's so many, there are so many different ways now to analyze stats how how players do against right and left-handed pitching, you know how the pitchers do against right and left, you know right-handed and left-handed hitters, you know, in certain innings, runners in scoring position. I mean, you know, baseball is just a statistical game. Is amazing how many statistics you have. But the art of the game, the momentum of the game, the feel for who's hot, that is a function of experience. And I think mm-hmm. Melvin and his staff now – bring that experience and that game knowledge to manage the art of baseball. What do you think about that? Yeah. So wait, say that again, Jim, sorry about. So, what was so yeah. there's the, the science is, is obvious because you can just crunch so many stats, yeah, yeah, but yeah. there's the, there's the art of the game, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, who's yeah. hot, you know, who's hurting, who's not. How far do you push somebody when you give up a game, when you try to win a game? What does Melvin bring to the table as it pertains to the art of baseball? Yeah, no, that's a very good question just because baseball is so analytical, especially, and it's, you know, something like, I mean, the the, uh, movie Moneyball or in the book Moneyball about the athletics, how they figured it out was a lot of essentially figuring out on a computer who's going to, like, how to be successful. And while there's a lot to that, and a lot of people now agree to that, I'm kind of in, in what I think where your side is, that there's the human element, the clutch gene I do believe matters, the managing the mental, because we are, these are humans, they're not, you know, video game characters. And that's where I think a guy like Bob Melvin, with the experience to kind of keep everything in like in control. Um, I read an article last year, the athletics started out like, Oh, and five, Oh, and six. And apparently he gave a speech in uh, the locker room that just turned everything around right away. Cause he doesn't make a big deal out of it and understands, you know, long season, there'll be failures and it's all okay. So overall, yeah, like I said, I, I was shocked when we signed a Bob Melvin, um, didn't see it coming, but once it did, I'm like, that is perfect for all those reasons you're saying just, he's a level head, 
And that's, as I said, we're a young team with a lot of talent, but we need, we need that, we need that person um, at the top. And yeah, I think Melvin's perfect for, for all that. So why did Melvin sign? I mean, he had his choice of jobs and he had a pretty good job. Why do you think he signed with the Padres? Yeah. First off, so the athletics, they, their total payroll this year is like 30 million. I think, I think I saw there is about 15 individual players making more than their full team combined. So their ownership is kind of a joke. They don't seem to care, had a good team, but got rid of everybody. So what seemed to have happened was Preller basically called them, see their interests and the athletics at least were good people. They're like, you know what? We're going in full rebuild, cutting salary. Let's give Bob a chance to win. So it kind of worked in a sense, like, I think a trade, like we were the one team reaching out, pursuing him. And for Bob Melvin, he gets to stay in California, San Diego. And he's like, this is a team that's spending money and wants to win. And he's had a great career, hasn't won that World Series as a manager. So I think for him, you, there's definitely the talent in San Diego to get it done. And there was not going to be that in Oakland. So it's probably an easy decision for him to, to come on out here and give, give, us, give us that ring. And so the so the athletics had mm. so much respect for him yeah. that they they architected this transaction to bring him into an environment where he could potentially win a World Series. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. I mean, Bob Melvin is an extremely respected man in all of baseball. So I think for them, yeah, I, I heard their initial thought was, heck no, no way, you're not getting our guy. But then once they probably sat down, figured it out, it's like, you know what, he's, he's a good man. He deserves to be involved with the winner. We're going to rebuild this thing, take a few years to get back to that. I mean, he's not an old man, but he's not, you know, and it's like a 30, 40-year-old man, so – he doesn't have all the time in the world yet. So it, it makes – I think it was very fair um, all around. I, I respect the athletics for doing it. I don't respect what they're doing from a baseball perspective, but I do respect that they let the man uh, leave and when, when things are going bad. That's funny. The athletics theme is the same in the movie Moneyball. They just don't want to spend money. They let all their good players go. Yeah. And I, what did you say? There are five players making more than the athletics' entire payroll? More than five. I think it's somewhere in between, like, closer to 15 or so. Like, they, they're making – I think they're paying 30-ish million for the whole year. And, like, I mean, Max Scherzer is making 40-something himself. Um, and then plenty of guys lowered as well, doing it as well. I mean, it's, it's embarrassing, to say the least. Yeah, I mean, you can't have – you can't have your, you know, your primary income – Coming from like a baseball team or a football team, you know, if you're managing it as a profit center, you're not managing it to win. Yeah. And, you know, and that's what's good about the owner of the Padres, right? This man is all in, right? All he wants to do is win that World Series. Yeah. So his background, so Peter Seidler, um, it was Ron Fowler initially as the kind of top guy. He sold off most of his stake to Peter Seidler, and both of them were willing to spend. Seidler more. So Seidler, I think he's related to, like, the like the O'Malley's. Um, I'm assuming you know them, Jim, the finance guys, like the O'Malley group. Yeah, yeah. So he, he's, I think he's involved with that family. That's how he made his money. 
And I was on a kind of negative note, but positive for the Padres. I think he's going through some kind of illness where he's not going to live ex- like that much longer. I mean, I don't think it's like two, three years, but probably within 10 or so is what, you know, the, the rumors are. Don't quote me on that. But to me, he's like, yeah, I got the money. This, like, let's make my le- life legacy, you know, being the guy who brought San Diego the championship. And, yeah, as sad as that is, I, you got to respect it. I mean, I don't know. Obviously, I'm a huge fan. If I ever somehow get lucky enough to have that kind of money and we're on a sports team, like, why wouldn't you want to win? Like, how much money do you need? At some point, go win. And that's more important than, a, than the extra billion when you already got a billion. So I, I love what he does. Yeah, and that is interesting that, you know, that, that you, because I remember Georgia Frontieri treated the Rams when they were in L.A. and in Orange County like a profit center. Mm. money and when they went to St. Louis they paid her so much money they didn't have to worry about money so that's when they actually started getting good same thing with the Padres you know Jerry Jones you know these guys these owners that want to win they don't give a hoot on how much money it makes all they care is winning that's a commitment you need from the owners and that's the type commitment that the ownership gave Melvin, which him over from the A's. And also, too, mm-hmm. the A's are in the American League and the Padres are in the National League. So that's a yeah. good match there, too. Yeah, because then, I mean, you see it in football all the time. And, like, people don't want to trade within their division. They used to play them twice a year. I, like, we played the athletics last year. I'm – not, I'm not certain if we, we might play them once a year, but maybe not at all. So for them, it's like, okay, worst case, we'll see this guy in the World Series. And at that point, I think we'd be, we, everyone would be okay with it. So, yeah, it's not like they're getting rid of their manager and sending him to the Angels and they got to play against him 20 times. So I think, yeah, it was, you know, there, there's no animosity between the A's and the Padres. If we play each other in the World Series, we'll figure it out then. But, yeah, that, that, <laughs> that made sense. It, it made sense from their perspective. And so – when you take a look at the Padres, where do you think their weaknesses are? Uh, I mean, I think without a doubt, it's corner outfield. I think we all expected the Padres to make a move for a left fielder. Um, right mm-hmm. now, it's Jer- Jerks. They haven't released a lineup for today, uh, but I assume Jerks and Profar will be the starting left fielder. Um, our fourth outfielder is Jose Azacar. He'll be making his MLB debut. I didn't even know he existed, and I followed his team pretty aggressively. So, yeah, the outfield is what we thought we'd be getting. Um, I think Eric Hosmer's contract is a weakness because we're paying that guy $20 million and he's not a $20 million player. Um, but we have – there's the luxury tax threshold, and we're right at it. So we didn't really have – we don't really have any money to go and sign somebody or pay the outfielder that we wanted to get, um, which – you know, we're, we're limited there for sure. But I don't count on AJ Prowler. I can still see a move being made. Maybe Profar can do it, do something. Will Myers hopefully can live up to it in, in right field. But, yeah, out, outfield is uh, most definitely a weakness. And when you say it's a weakness in the outfield, offensively, defensively, yes. or both? Offensively. Um, Myers is solid and right. Profar is a good athlete. He plays good left field. He doesn't have a, the biggest arm, but he's, he's good. 
Uh, Trent Grisham, he's center fielder, won a gold glove two years ago. So he's great defensively. He had a down um, – What he had, a, he had a down offensive season last year battling injuries. I think he bounces back. We need him to bounce back um, for us to be successful. But, yeah, mainly I don't think pro far – I mean, he comes up to hit. No, nobody's scared. You know, like, I don't – I can't even picture him hitting a home run. I can picture him getting a couple slap singles maybe. But, yeah, that's a weak part in the lineup for sure. But who knows? He was – maybe maybe he figured it out this offseason and proved me wrong. I'd love to be wrong, but that'll be a, a, a hurdle we have to overcome. How about the strengths of the, of the Padres? Starting pitching, for sure. Um, really? It was a, Oh yeah, I mean we are deep, and we were we were great last year starting pitching too. The issue was everyone got hurt, and if they can all stay healthy, then it's gonna like that's what's gonna carry us. And I've said this to a lot of my friends: we will go as far as our starting pitching takes us. So I can see us winning some games three to one, two to zero, and, and all hoping because we got you Darvish, who was an All Star last year, struggling in the second half, battling injuries. He's healthy, ready to go. I feel good about him. Sean Manaya brought in as a trade, as I already mentioned. He should be great. Blake Snell struggled in the first half of last year. Looked great in the second half last year. He should be ready to go and be who he can be. We got Joe Musgrove. Might be a, he's a sneaky Cy Young candidate this year, I'd say. Um, pitched a no-hitter last year. Was a, had a great year last year. And then we got Mike Clevenger. Um, we traded him two years ago. He missed all of last year recovering from Tommy John. Uh, surgery. He's starting on the injured list for a, a knee ailment, but shouldn't be too big of a deal. And then Nick Martinez is a guy we signed from Japan uh, to a four-year deal. He was a decent MLB pitcher, spent about three, four years in Japan, and was dominant last year. Like a 1-3 ERA out there. He's, he'll be our fifth starter. And then you got Mackenzie Gore, who I said, former top prospect, starting AAA. He'll come up in about a month. And I, I really do feel like every single time Every game that we we pitch, we have the ability to have a complete game shutout from all of these guys. So I'm, I'm hoping. Really? They're, they're all – like, that's the thing. I mean, obviously, they all need to be better than they were last year, but they all have the potential to be all-stars and to be guys who can win games by themselves if they can just get a couple runs and support. And, yeah, I, I, I feel real good about, about our pitching staff. And how about the bullpen? Bullpen's good. Um as I said, we now got our closer, um, Taylor Rogers from Minnesota, in the trade that happened uh, just this morning. We got um, um, what was Luis Reyes, I think, a guy from the Cardinals uh, we signed. He's, he's pretty solid. And then, yeah, our bullpen was the best bullpen last year until they ran out of gas, and we got most of the guys back. So I think, yeah, top, top to bottom, it's a, it's, a good, it's a good bullpen with a lot of guys with a lot of upside. Some new names, for sure. Um, like Steven Wilson is a name I saw. I don't know much about him. Javi Guerra was a former shortstop prospect who realized he can throw the ball 100 miles per hour and can't hit a curveball. So he's in the bullpen now as a pitcher. Um, and he's been, he's been with us, but we need to see him do better. But, yeah, I, I do feel really good about every single R in the bullpen. Can't forget Nabil Chrismat. He'll be our long reliever. He was exceptional last year. Um, underrated, unknown guy that deserves some love. So, yeah, I, was, I, I feel good about the pitching. I think we're going to win a lot of boring three-to-one games this year until we get that piece back. So get, get ready for it. So, you know, one thing that's essential to good pitching defense behind them, and yep. it sounds like the outfielders are good defensively, maybe not 
good offensively, but good defense. How about the infield and the defense overall? Pretty good defense, great defense. Oh, yeah. I think the defense. Infield, I think, could be one of the best um, in, in the league. So Manny Machado is a third baseman. You know, maybe him and Nolan Arenado every single year compete for, like, I think, the, the best third baseman, like, in, in our generation. Uh, Manny Machado, he, he does magical things at third base. So you can make an argument Nolan Arenado is better. I have a little bias, but I think Manny is the best third baseman in all of baseball um, from the defensive standpoint. Shortstop, um, as I said, Tatis. I love Tatis. He makes some cool plays. He's not the most – he's not the best defensive shortstop. He made a lot of errors last year. I think he's better than what he showed. But ha Sung Kim, as their shortstop, is ridiculously good as a short, defensive shortstop. So he could honestly be one of the – maybe even the best defensive guy in the league this year as well. Brandon Crawford probably ahead, but good there. Jake Cronenworth, he was a Gold Glove uh, finalist, I'm pretty sure, as a second baseman last year. So, I mean, that speaks for itself, getting, getting up there. And then Eric Hosmer is a first baseman, former Gold Glove guy. was pretty terrible last year at first. So, I mean, we'll skip him when I'm saying how good we are on defense. But second, short, and third, we are exceptional defensively, and they will help our pitching a lot. Now, do you possibly – that with that with the defense currently, that Tatis could be a DH. Honestly, I have not thought about that. In- interesting though. Um, I think ideally, no. I think he is a good shortstop. Like I said, I I don't want to make it seem he struggled last year, but he was very good the year before. Makes some good plays. He is a shortstop, and he wants to play there. I think he's a better hitter when he's playing there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's an option. That's the thing. You can give him days off as a shortstop, have him DH because we got other guys who can play there. Um, but then again, I think it's more like I'd rather have Tatis play shortstop, maybe move him to second, move Cronenworth to first, and keep Voigt as the DH just because he's, you know, not the best, most best defensive guy. And that, like, I think even he would say that to you. But yeah, I mean, that's most certainly a possibility. Um, I, I, could, I can see it. But my thing is, if you can get Eric Hosmer on the bench, I prefer that um, over anything. So, and that more requires that teach playing shortstop for that to happen. So, you know, you got strong defense, you got strong pitching, you got decent hitting until Tatis comes back. When he comes offensive, a really good offensive team. Is that correct? Yeah, that's, that's how I see it. I mean, the, the bottom third of the lineup it will be the question mark, but – Right now, I feel really good, one through four, one through five. Hopeful about everyone after that. And then when Tatis comes back, I feel really good about one through five, one through six. So it just extend, extends it all. Um, so, yeah, that, that's how I see it. So, okay, time. How do you see the National League unfold in terms of the playoffs? How do you think it goes? Yeah, so I actually uh, actually put this on my social media account on Twitter this morning. So I believe the Atlanta Braves win the NL East. I think the Milwaukee Brewers win the NL Central. And then I think the uh, LA Dodgers win the NL West. I believe the so it's three wildcard spots this year. They expanded the playoff this year. And the three will be the Padres, the New York Mets, and the St. Louis Cardinals, I believe, in that order. So that's – my official prediction, I think the Padres win 90 games this year um, and get that top wild card spot. 
And then, I mean, I might be a little biased, but then I do believe the Padres do win the National League and uh, make, make it onto the World Series um, from there. So that, that's my official prediction. I love it. I love your optimism, Christian Gage. Yes, sir. So, so I, you know, and you're going to be on throughout the season, right, to give us Padres updates and updates on baseball? Jim, absolutely. Any anytime you want, let's do it. And if, if something uh, very important happens, I will I will be sure to let you know that I got things to say. But yeah, I would love to do it consistently. So, you want to say anything about the American League, or you want to stick with the National League? Yeah, I got my predictions there too. Um, Excellent. So, let's hear them. Yeah. So this is a very popular pick, um, and I strongly agree. I think the Toronto Blue Jays are the best team in the American League this year. So I actually have the Padres beating them in the World Series. But so obviously I have the Blue Jays winning the AL East. I have the White Sox winning the AL Central. I, they're a heavy favorite in the Central. Um, and then my, my fun one, which I feel good about it, is the Seattle Mariners. I believe they haven't made the playoffs in 21 years. I have them winning the American League West this year um, and breaking that that streak. So hope I'm, I'm rooting for them. They're kind of going to become my, like, team I want to win that I have no reason to want to win, but Seattle Mariners, three wild card spots, the Tampa Bay Rays, the Houston Astros, and the Boston Red Sox. I think the most notable thing I have there is I have the Yankee, New York Yankees not making the playoffs, and that because they're just not that good, and their pitching's bad, and I don't feel they got a lot of guys with injury issues, so that's kind of my American League, I think. I told Jim I had a fantasy baseball draft. I had the first overall pick. I took Vladimir Guerrero Jr. with that pick, and I think he wins the American League uh, MVP as well. So that's a prediction there. I like it. And, you know, it's kind of amazing. All that money and don't make the playoffs, huh? Yeah, and, and even more surprising, they're not really spending money. They, they got outbid by some small market teams this offseason for some great players. Most notably, Carlos Correa, shortstop from the Astros. He signed with the Minnesota Twins. And the, apparently the Yankees and all Yankees fans thought they were going to get him. Yankees, also, Yankees fans thought they were going to trade for Sean Manaya, But the Padres did it over them. So, I mean, that's just two examples. But the, the formerly Giants of the Yankees and Yankees can get any player they want isn't really the case anymore. And you got small mark, previously smaller teams like the Padres, the Twins, um, you can go on and on, just about every team, honestly. The Detroit Tigers just are beating out the Yankees for players. And as, you know, I think one of many Yankee haters, it's kind of funny to watch. It's funny to watch New York Yankee fans freak out that things aren't going their way anymore. I love it. Who do you think is going to be MVP of the National League? National League? So I'll give two picks. I think Manny Machado has a good shot. I think with Tatis being out, he puts up consistent numbers, and he's in the like perfect prime of his year. I think he could explode, hit 35, 40 home runs, 290 average. Maybe that gets it done. But just to do something other than a Padre, uh, I think Juan Soto. He's the young stud uh, for the Washington Nationals. Um, I don't really see the Nationals as a team being very good. But Juan Soto, like I said, my fantasy baseball draft, it was Vladimir Guerrero, Juan Soto. I was debating for hours before taking uh, Vladdy, but – I think Juan Soto is, well, he's got to be 21, 22 years old. Hasn't signed an extension yet. He might be a half a billion contract guy once he, once he finally signs a deal. So I'll, I'll say Juan Soto just to stop the Padres' bias for once. I love it. So 
All right, uh, Christian, let's, uh, in summation, what would you like about Padres, the National League, the American League, baseball, the upcoming season? It's an open forum, open mic. How would you like to wrap this up? Yeah, first off, I think it feels great that it is the first week of April and we're playing a baseball game. Obviously, this offseason, the MLB lockout, it was the collective bargaining agreement. They couldn't come to an agreement. I did not expect us to play any games this month. I thought it was going to continue to be delayed until May, until the players and owners got a deal. So just the fact that they got a deal and playing a full 162-game season, like I said, I don't think the Dodgers World Series count, like counts as much as it would uh, if it was a full season, given it was a shortened season. So the fact that we got a full season, everything's good to go. We're back to full crowds. You know, the COVID restrictions are done. Last year, we had the first half of the season with uh, kind of half crowds in a lot of teams. So it just feels good. I feel like it's the first year since 2019 when everything is just completely back. And yeah, as I said, someone who scared, was scared that we we're going to miss about a month of the season. feels great to have that. Um, lastly, in, as it pertains to the Padres, obviously last year, Every, it was the sexy pick to pick the Padres to win the World Series. Everyone was so high on them with all the signings and the up-and-coming players. Obviously didn't work out, which means this year it's been a lot quieter about the Padres. And, Jim, I love that it's quiet. I, the hype is too much. <laughs> Doubt us. Say we're done. We're still the same team. And now we got Bob Melvin in charge. We got a few – we got Luke Boyd. We got Sean Manaya. Yeah, it's we're, we're, Mike Clevenger being back. I just I feel I feel great about where we are, and I like kind of being a, a sleeper per se because everyone's saying how the Dodgers best team of all time, including myself. I said that Dave Roberts, their manager on a on a radio show a couple weeks ago, guaranteed a World Series. To which I just I laughed. I laughed when I heard that because for them it is that or bust, and I am excited for them to win 110 games choke in the playoffs and the 90 win wildcard Padres being the ones who, who hold the trophy um, at the end of October. So that's my summary. I, I, I can't wait. We got first pitch in the Cubs game in about a half hour. I'm, I'm so excited. Well, go pods and Christian, I thank you for being on who gives a shit file. I love your optimism. I love your passion. So go pods. Go Pods, 640 Pacific time tonight. First game uh, playing the Arizona Diamondbacks. You Darvish on the bump. Let's start 1-0. Can't go 162 and 0 if you don't start 1-0. So let's make it happen. <laughs> All right, Fletcher. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. Have a good one, man. Bye.